HRN listeners. As we celebrate our 15th year, we are deepening our commitment to giving voice to the next generation of food system storytellers, and we need your help. Our internship and fellowship programs help activate new possibilities for underrepresented and underestimated young people through experiential journalism, audio engineering, and production training. Through these unique programs, HRN helps food equity stewards build essential workforce readiness skills that expand their potential and foster economic mobility. Please consider supporting these critical programs. And with a minimum donation, you can be entered to win a dinner for two at an amazing restaurant in one of eight cities and tickets to a concert at a great venue in one of those cities. We have incredible partners across the country who have donated as they also share our passion for helping to educate the next generation of food system storytellers. Check out heritageradionetwork.org 15 to donate and enter to win today. That's heritageradionetwork.org 15 to donate and enter to win today. And make sure you donate before March 31st. Thank you. You're listening to Heritage Radio Network. Since 2009, HRN podcasts have been exploring the wide world of food, beverage, and agriculture. Learn more at heritageradionetwork.org. This episode is brought to you by Bento Box and Clover, working together to provide restaurants with even more technology for a better hospitality experience. Visit getbento.com better to learn more. Hello, hello, Heritage Radio Network listeners tuning in from 165 countries around the world, about a million listens a month. And today, I know all of them are listening to Tech Bites, the weekly show where we look at the intersection of food and technology. And today, that intersection is in your gut. We're talking about gut health and prebiotics and probiotics. And what is all that? It's not often that we actually talk about food, interestingly enough, on Tech Bites. We talk about the intersection of food and technology, and oftentimes that's technology that helps us get to food. Artificial intelligence apps for restaurants, digital platforms to order food, bring food from the farm directly to you, all kinds of things like that. But today we're actually talking about something that you eat. We are talking about Supergut, which is a prebiotic product that's on the market now. And the interesting thing about them is that this summer they released and published a clinical trial, which we get. So I'm sure if you're on Instagram, which I am tech bites, HRN at Instagram, I'm sure your feed is flooded with all kinds of health diet, try this intermittent fasting, whole 30, protein, probiotic, gut health, shake, replacement, all these types of things. The interesting thing is that in the United States, many of them are not necessarily regulated or they're regulated as food. So they look at the ingredients and say, you can say this is organic or this is natural or it doesn't have any preservatives. But the efficacy of what it is is not necessarily pressure tested. And most of these food things are regulated as food and not medicine, which is why you see so many disclaimers on packaging saying that this has not been vetted. So having a clinical trial is something that is very interesting, particularly for something that happens in your gut, which is very, very difficult to understand and track. So today we have Mark Washington, who is the founder and CEO of Supergut. Mark, thank you for joining us from West Coast. Thank you so much, Jennifer. So let's first get into, very simply, I know I said a lot of big words <laughs> that we've heard, that we hear about, that we read about. If you're in the health, sports, athletic, lifestyle, wellness, self-care space, if you're interested in that, um, you've read about probiotics and prebiotics. Um, first, I think we've started hearing mostly about probiotics over uh -huh. the past 10 plus years. and Probiotics, I think people associate mostly with things like yogurt and fermented foods. So mm -hmm, what is what is a probiotic? Yeah, so, so very good question. I think it's a good place for us to start. I say, uh, 
even before, I guess, answering that, I think that the context for this conversation is important and why, you know, out of all those different dietary approaches that you hear about, like why one of this rising themes around gut health and why it's here, and therefore, why are people therefore talking about probiotics and then what in the world is a prebiotic? And it's, it's with good reason. It's, you know, it's very confusing and complicated, and there's so many different dietary approaches to try to claim optimal health. But like you said, there's a lack of scientific evidence around a lot, if not most, of them that are out there. Uh, an exception, broadly speaking, being around gut health, right? And the fact that your gut, your large intestine, is actually your control center for health. And we know a lot more about it than the advances in research have, have really spawned this awakening around the gut health. And so that's why you're starting to hear more and more about gut health. It's like responsible for so many different functions in your body and your mental health and your physical health, et cetera. And so, yeah, gut health is becoming more prominent. Um, and, and I very much predict it will continue to be so uh, in, the, in the future years to come as well. Well, certainly when we think about it from a logical point of view, the body is fueled by what we eat right so right. anything that we ingest it goes through our digestive system and the body pulls out what it needs in terms of energy and nutrients and minerals mm -hmm. and vitamins mm -hmm. and all those kinds of things and then what it doesn't need it either stores in your body somewhere in your muscles you know as glycogen or glucose or fats or something like that sometimes it's stored in a great way that you like sometimes it's uh -huh. stored it like in ways. a place that makes it difficult for you to butt uh -huh. in your pants yeah uh -huh. um but then it gets rid of it sometimes you know it, uh -huh. it'll get rid of it through all the other natural body processes so if we look at you know the digestive system from top to bottom as the sort of energy source, if something's not working along that line, then you're not perhaps extracting the things that you need from what you eat, or it's like Absolutely. passing through you, or you're not storing it in your body the way you want to, ideally, Absolutely. or it's not optimized in terms of how it's being used. So, uh -huh. um, so I, think that's a, I think that's an, a, a simple way to look at it. And then along the digestive tract, there are different parts. Um, and each part does something different. And, um, you know, we've been hearing a lot about, I mean, a lot, and definitely in the food tech space for sure about, you know, the microbiome or the yes. gut biome, yes. Yes. Um, which sounds like super techy and futuristic, which it kind <laughs> of is. Uh-huh. Um, but it also but, can be simple when explained correctly. Exactly. But we also, you <laughs> yeah. know, it also makes it sound something like, that we don't necessarily understand. Yeah, so if we think yeah. about if we think about the digestive system as being a way to, um, like you know, the gas pump, the gas tank for your body, probiotics um, are things that are actually a bacteria or a small microorganism or something that is actually you know, live and functioning that you put mm -hmm. into your body that in yeah. its live and functioning state. It goes around and it does stuff. So that's why they talk about probiotics as being fermented foods like yogurt exactly. and kimchi exactly. and sauerkraut. A prebiotic is a food in its normal state that then when it's in your body starts to do something. That's right. That's right. No, that's the that's the right and easiest way to break it down. Like your 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 gut is obviously primarily your digestive tract and largely your large intestine, just like you said, and and it's filled with literally billions of microbes um, that are living there that are responsible for the function of your body in many ways, right? And and most of those are in the form of bacteria. And you can think of it as having some good bacteria that are working for you and some bad bacteria that are actually you know, working against you in many ways. And all that bacteria that's down there in your gut, think of that as the probiotics um, that, you know, either live in you or that you try to supplement and add to the mix through your diet, through supplementation, et cetera. So they're the live organisms that are in many ways responsible for keeping us healthy. So that's the 
probiotics and we could talk more about them and like there's some great things and there's some you know things that you know have yet to be proven about like a supplementation path for probiotics and then like you mentioned the prebiotics which is actually more where we focus at supergut that's the food for the microbes in your gut and so just like you as a human being need you know, nourishment to live, survive, and thrive, the microbes in your gut need their nourishment. They need their food sources, their energy sources to thrive and survive. Um, And so they're responsible. The prebiotics is the food for your gut, for the microbes in your gut. And in particular, it's the great thing about prebiotics is it's actually the food for the good bacteria in your gut. That's what they, it's like their preferred food. And so think about like, you know, uh, some people equate it to like, you know, a garden um, and think of the prebiotics as like the fertilizer for your garden that, you know, keeps the weeds away, um, but, you know, really feeds the beautiful flowers so that they can spawn and, and be beautiful. So that's basically the prebiotics is the food for the good bugs in your gut that are responsible for keeping us healthy. So I think people are always like, oh my God, bugs in my gut. What is happening (laughs) there? So it's very difficult to know if things are working. I think people look for um, physical and visual cues as to if their nutritional plan or their, you know, body health is working. Am I losing weight? Does my skin look nice? Um, Is my, you know, do I have high energy? Do I have good energy? Um, am I wrinkling or not wrinkling? That kind of thing. So, but these things don't necessarily impact the body in that way. How do you know if a probiotic or a prebiotic are working? Yeah, it's it's such a great question, and uh, frankly, it really leads into why I started Supergut and why we take a prebiotic approach and why we take a clinical evidence-based approach. Um, because the reality is, it is hard to know in many different uh, nutrition and supplemental approaches to health and even this topic of gut health that are actually proven to work to be transformative to your health. I would say, you know, to be very frank and honest, in particular, a lot of solutions that are more probiotic-based, there are very few which have significant clinical evidence that they are actually transforming your health. It's actually quite difficult when you think about it. Like, so think about the the journey of a probiotic. First of all, it's like, what strain is it? Is it the right strain that works for you, for your intended outcome? Um, and what format are, is it being delivered? Can it actually survive the digestive process, which is quite harsh, right? You're whole system is set up to digest and break down, you know, foods and supplements as they're introduced. And so is it actually, you know, survive all of that to get all the way to your gut where it can serve its function? And then when it gets there, is it actually going to survive? Is it actually going to inoculate and stay and thrive in your own personal gut biome? Or is it going to be a, a of passing through, um, basically excreted out, right? And so you've got all these different factors on the journey of a, of a typical probiotic, uh, in particular in supplement forms. And when you look at the scientific evidence, there's a lot of, you know, good correlation between uh, the presence or absence of certain bacteria and probiotics and, and health outcomes, but there's not a significant amount of clinical evidence on actual causation, right? The fact that supplementation of this particular strain has been proven to inoculate and to drive this health uh, outcome for you as an individual. So yeah, a lot, uh, you know, frankly, I'll say most probiotic supplements that are on the market just do not have that level of clinical evidence that they actually are fundamentally doing something significantly transformative and beneficial for for your health. So it's really hard, right? It's really hard. It's very challenging. And you know, something that you just said that resonated in terms of something I hadn't perhaps thought about is you know, I mean, we've all read the yogurt label. Well, at least I do. I'm a voracious label <laughs> reader when I'm uh-huh. at the grocery store, um, always. Before I put anything into my, you know, shopping basket, I always read the label. And when you're looking at something like a yogurt or a kombucha or something like that, it will list the types of, you know, live, mm-hmm. active yogurt cultures that it has in there, and you know, sort and of the a measurement of yes. them, you know, billions yes. and billions. 
it never occurred to me that they might be live in the yogurt, but not be able to survive the journey mm -hmm. of my digestive tract. That never yeah. actually occurred to me. I assume that once it gets in there, it's just in there doing what it's supposed Automatic. to do. Automatic. Yeah, yeah. No, it's, it's challenging, right? It's, this is this way for, for a reason. It actually is difficult, right, to, to create products that actually can survive that journey. And so there's lots of good data around directionally having um, a diversity of fermented foods being net positive, right, to your health. Relying on any particular one, I think, is a struggle. And also just relying on fermented foods and, and definitely probiotic supplementation to, you know, heal your gut and to put you in optimal place of health, I'd say is not really advisable. At a minimum, you should make sure that if you're trying to supplement with probiotics and eat fermented foods, you have to make sure that at least for the ones that actually get there, that you're also nourishing them <laughs> and that you're feeding them so that they actually can thrive and give them the best chance at keeping you healthy. And obviously that's where the prebiotics come, come in. So um, it's the, um, you know, labeling, food labeling is something that's one thing. It's very specific. Mm -hmm. It looks at, you know, what's in the container, is what's in the container what it is. It doesn't necessarily talk about the veracity of the quality of the product that's in the container. Um, you know, it would just say, you know, for yogurt, it would just maybe say milk. And then, mm -hmm. you know, milk can be any number of different types of things in terms of where it comes from or, you know, is it organic? Is it not organic? You know, all those types of questions. Right. Um, so, I mean, even, you know, reading labels and things like that, what, what, the labels sort of guarantee or vet is something very specific and is also something very different from what we imagine it's going to do. And I guess this is yeah. a good juncture also to say, and I probably should have said it at the top of the show, you know, I'm not a doctor or a nutritionist. I am a certified personal trainer um, from the national, from NASM, um, and you're not a doctor or a mm -hmm. dietitian. Um, mm -hmm. So certainly, you know, this is a conversation about, um, products and things that are in the public space. This is a conversation about information that is in the public space. Um, you know, I'm looking at the Mayo Clinic website right now. I'm looking at the press release of the SuperGut clinical trial. Um, mm -hmm. I'm looking at a news piece. Stanford University has actually created a, a gut biome in the lab. So, you know, as we have these conversations and we talk about what things work and what things don't work, we're, we're looking at them from a news point of view. We're looking at them from the point of view, you know, Mark being a business owner. But whenever you decide to make a change to what you eat or decide to attack a um, health or life issue based on food, the best place to start probably should be your healthcare professional, your actual mm -hmm. doctor person, your actual um, someone who is in the medical field who actually has the right knowledge and information to guide you on what you personally, listener, um, need to do or might want to consider in terms of making adjustments to your eating style to impact your health and lifestyle. So that's my disclaimer, yeah. important one, I think. <laughs> well said, well um, said. So back to the clinical trial. So a clinical trial yeah. is kind of really the only way to get to what works, what doesn't work. Or, or, or vet an idea or a hypothesis in a kind of measurable, actual way versus that, I think this makes me feel better or that's, that's maybe right. I lost three pounds or, yeah. you know, I think that's I had right. a good night's sleep. Is it related to that or is it related to the fact that I, you know, spent five hours at the gym and I'm exhausted? No, exactly, exactly. It's it's really difficult, especially as a layperson, let alone even for medical professionals, many of whom just going to your supermarket and reading through across the shelves of the different labels, it's that doesn't necessarily give you all the information about whether or not there's actual efficacy uh, inside the bottle or inside the, uh, uh, the, the container of yogurt or what have you. So even with that, it's, it's difficult. So the way I know, going back to is, you know, I believe in um, the science, right? I believe in evidence-based approach. And, and frankly, I, I, I really do believe in the, the healing power of food and the power of the human body. But the way that I know to do that with certainty is clinical evidence. And so that's a, a really a, an important part of the foundation of Supergut is wanting to take a different tact relative to the traditional 
food company out there. This is, I think, why what we're doing is relevant for tech bites because we really do take a food tech-based approach and an evidence-based approach to uh, create functional foods that are actually working and not just based on a belief, but based on clinical evidence. And so that leads to what was inevitable was us actually conducting what we recently completed was a, a really rigorous gold standard clinical trial to show just how effective that you know, our super gut products are. And in particular, we used our, our shake in our clinical trial on many different aspects of health. So you had a group of people, some people had the shake, some people had a placebo, you right. took a measurement or some sort of calibration of, of a bunch of things <laughs> at the beginning, yes. in the middle, uh -huh. and then at the end? Yeah, 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 no, exactly. Like, and by a couple, by some people, like this was a really sizable study, in particular from a food perspective. So we had 190 participants. Um, so first of all, most food companies don't go down this path because it's not part of the ethos and, and it's really hard, right, to actually prove out on a causation basis like that your uh, food is, is serving a specific outcome. But even those that do, it's typically pretty small studies, you know, call it 20 or 30 people. We went more the path which you tend to see more of a biotech you know, early stage pharmaceutical in terms of the size of the study, 190 participants, as well as the, the structure and the approach of the study. So this wasn't just, you know, take this shake and report back to tell us how you feel. This was a randomized placebo-controlled double-blind study. We actually had three legs, right? So we had what's called the intervention arm, which is those that actually, you know, consumed our shake, our super gut shake. We had a placebo arm, so those that consumed a shake designed, you know, isocaloric, so same amount of calories, same amount of protein, but without, like, our prebiotic fiber in a specific blend that we have. It's, it's, uh, it's called resistant starch in our shakes. And then there was another arm that just had dietary guidance, the kind of counseling that you'd get from your primary care physician or nutritionist. So we actually had three legs, right? And like you said, we, st we looked at both the beginning, midpoint, and the end, and we measured a broad range of outcomes in our study. Uh, some of the primary things we were looking at was we actually want to see, you know, not just how you feel, but what can we measure? and looking at different aspects of metabolic health. So looking at your blood sugar control, looking at weight, looking at blood pressure, cholesterol, you know, so these hard metabolic health figures so that it's not a guessing game. This is like hard clinical proof validating yes or no. Do we see a difference in those who are consuming super gut relative to placebo or relative to diet? We also looked at a broad range of health, uh, quality of life, and health and wellness figures as well. So we also did want to see how do you feel, um, and how does you know relative to uh, those who consume Supergut versus the placebo, et cetera. So looking at things like energy and mood and brain fog and sleep quality and quality of life metrics as well. Um, the really fascinating thing, uh, I can pretty much give you the, uh, uh, the clue as to where this is going. We saw positive movement uh, for those consuming our Supergut products across almost every metric and indicator that we looked at, both the hard clinical outcomes like the metabolic measures as well as the health and quality of life related measures as well. Like we saw positive movement across most everything that we measured and many of which were both clinically and statistically significant movement relative to the placebo arms as well, which you know, kind of goes back to the fact that we know that our products are working through your gut and your gut has such broad impact on overall health. That at the end of the day, I guess it shouldn't be surprising that we saw such broad movement across so many different aspects of health in a clinically validated setting with the Supergut products. If the trial had yielded like neutral or not positive information, would you still be still be obligated to publish it? Would you still yeah, have published we would. it? Yeah, we would. And this is actually, so we, an, another aspect that is different from our approach. So we actually have a chief medical and science officer, you know, on staff, one of, you know, our key members of our team uh, named Chris, Dr. Chris Damon. He's a gastroenterologist, former, formerly led the microbiome program at the Bill and Melinda Gates Foundation. Part of, you know, his rationale for joining us was one, 
you know, he's also a believer in food as medicine and that we have potential to really positively impact public health. But then secondly, just we had such alignment around the ethos of the business that we're creating. And it was literally one of his first questions was, you know, we go down this path, which we absolutely should. It really is our obligation to publish the results regardless of the outcome. And so he's like, look me in the eye and tell me that you're aligned, that that is the approach that we take. We go down this path, we look for evidence and we report on the evidence really regardless of what the outcome is. So this is something that we aligned on before we uh, invited the very first participant into our study, that that is, you know, part of the rigor of an evidence-based approach is, you know, uh, you know, validating or, you know, invalidating a hypothesis and then sharing and disseminating the, the, the results. So, yes. So if people are interested in actually taking a look at that clinical trial, you can go to clinicaltrials.gov. It is a uh, part of the U.S. National Library of Medicine, and you can find the study there. Um, maybe you want to click and look in real life what's happening while we take a commercial break and find out who the sponsor of this episode is. Did you know that Heritage Radio is a 501c3 nonprofit? We keep the lights on and the mics hot out of the generosity of many of our listeners who become members, grants, and underwriters like this one. Stay with us. Exciting news for restaurants. Bento Box and Clover have teamed up to provide even more technology for a better hospitality experience. With over 70% of diners researching restaurants online before they go in person, a strong digital presence is more important than ever. Bento Box's website, marketing tools, and commerce platform help restaurants get discovered online, make more money, and engage diners in person and virtually. And Clover's world-class POS and payment system streamlines daily operations for a totally seamless experience. With Bento Box and Clover working together, restaurants now have an all-in-one solution that makes it easy to deliver better hospitality from the kitchen to tableside and beyond. Bento Box and Clover, the right recipe for hospitality. Visit getbento.com better to learn more. That's getbento.com slash B-E-T-T-E-R. You are listening to Tech Bites, the weekly show where we look at the intersection of food and technology. And today that intersection is a company called Supergut. If you're interested in taking a look at what they do, go to supergut.com or follow them on social media at Supergut. We are talking with Mark Washington, who is the founder and CEO of Supergut. Founded in 2019, they recently published a clinical trial about what their resistant starch shakes can do for the body and do for the body. It's interesting in that we've heard a lot about gut health and how the gut biome is sort of the engine that drives our bodies and our body health. We've heard a lot about probiotics, which are the live bacteria cultures that you eat that then populate your gut. Uh, prebiotics, as Mark said in the top half of the show, are the foods for those little bacterias that are alive doing things. And it's all happening inside your body, sort of hard to identify. Is it working? Is it not working? But your digestive system is really the key to so much of our overall energy and health and how our bodies function. Mark, tell us about the inspiration for health that led to your founding Supergut. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. Like this is, um, there's, it's really two aspects. There's the head and the heart, right? I mean, the, the head part. This is the mind uh, body. Yeah, no, exactly. <laughs> all, you know, all comes back together, right? My like, body, yep. Mm -hmm. So I've always been uh, into health and wellness. It's a personal passion of mine. I'm a former former athlete. I just like to stay, you know, pretty active, live a healthy lifestyle. And I've been fortunate to pattern my career helping others lead healthier lives in food and beverage and supplements and fitness and wellness. And so I've spent my career 
in the space and I knew there was a need to do something different, a need to really take an evidence-based scientific approach and that uh, to help impact public health in a way, you know, but still doing it through food. So there's like this mental part that's been building up uh, in me throughout my career. Uh, but my real inspiration for why doing it this way and why founding a company starting at the very beginning at this, you know, later stage in my career really is a, a personal story. And that's the heart aspect. Um, it does go back to family and my little sister, Monica, who was an unbelievably colorful personality. Uh, you know, I like to, to, to say Monica was the life of the party. She was... Uh, hilarious, even inappropriately so. Like, if somebody was telling an off-color joke, that was that was Monica. So she lived a life full of light, um, and she was a teacher, and she, you know, really just, everybody, everybody loved Monica. Like so many, she struggled with her health throughout most of her adult life, and so she had, you know, multiple uh, uh, chronic conditions. So metabolic syndrome she lived with. So she was lived with diabetes and clinically obese and uh, had high blood pressure as well. And so she struggled with her health throughout her adult life. And I, you know, would always, you know, send her the latest and greatest shake or supplement or workout videos or what have you. And, and nothing stuck, like nothing really gave her control right, over her health. Um, Monica passed away far too young due to complications with her health and her gut. And, and actually, it was during a high-risk pregnancy during which she passed away. And as you can imagine, uh, some, a tragedy like that just shook me to my core. Uh, the fact that my little sister uh, dealt with this, and that was her outcome in this day and age, and it just shouldn't have happened. That lit a fire in me. That lit a fire in me, which is just just burns uh, to this day. That just is built over time. And at a certain point, you know, I felt like I was doing good in the world in these larger health and wellness organizations. But I felt like so much more could be done because you know what? She's not alone. When you think about others out there that are also struggling with serious health conditions that don't have control, like I think there's a. I, I don't think. I just. I know that there's a better way. If not me, then who? If not now, then when? And that's when I decided to, to throw my hat in the ring and to start uh, uh, this company three years ago to make a difference, take a different approach to reverse the, you know, uh, the control equation and empower people with better control over their health and their bodies, uh, but to still do it through, through food. So yeah, Monica was really my personal inspiration for why I started Supergut. You know, the personal experience and, and drive is, is very often the the mother of invention, as mm -hmm. it were. And and this mm -hmm. is um this is a this is a toughie, you know, someone yeah. so close to your family. One of the things that we talked about when we spoke last week before the show was was your desire to impact public health on this front? And was your desire to try and close some of the health disparity gaps. And one of the things that I noted looking through the Supergut website um, is that it's a, it's a Black-owned business, and that is something that is noted on the About page and different parts so that people know it's part of the community, it's part of the ethos of your company. Mm -hmm. How are those things related for you? Yeah. Both, you know, personally, your community, being a Black-owned business, then we start to talk about public health and the, dis you know, health disparity gap. How, how do those things how do those things roll together? Yeah, no, thanks so much for asking, Jennifer. This is um, this is really foundational to both who I am and who we are uh, as a company under Supergut. And it's one of the most fulfilling aspects of being an entrepreneur and being able to to found and mold a business that's so um, that overlaps completely with your own personal uh, ethos and, and mission. So like I said, when starting this, I really wanted to create a business that could have impact, an impact on the broadest scale. Like literally, how can we fundamentally impact public health and, and bend the curve of health outcomes when you think about the health of you know, the adult population, not just in this country, but abroad as well, and the fact that it's getting worse every year from obesity to diabetes to heart disease, et cetera. It's like, 
this is getting worse. This is, a, in many ways, it's a crisis when you look at the public health uh, uh, in this country in particular to, to start. It's like, I want to do something about that. And I want to create a business that can impact that. And something else that drives me, and as I you know, describe for you, if and when we do that, we as a business, as a proudly Black-founded business, we can have an impact not just on public health broadly at large, but we can actually play a role in specifically addressing some of the health disparity gaps that exist predominantly for minority communities. So when you step back and you look at those conditions that I mentioned, all of these you know, chronic metabolic health conditions, diabetes, obesity, et cetera, et cetera, every single one of them has a significant disproportionate impact on communities of color, black and brown communities in particular. You know, diabetes, it's literally like 50% higher incidence of diabetes for black and brown communities than the general population. Similar stats for obesity and so on and so forth down the list. And it's been talked about and looked at and there's it is a very, very complex drivers for why. There's systemic racism, there's unequal access to high quality food, there's unequal access to healthcare system, there's on and on, there's so many reasons why. My focus is on, yes, it's great to understand the why, I'm more interested in impacting it, right? And actually doing something to help close that. I think we can play a significant role in that as a business, as a brand. And I'm very intentional in that regard and outspoken, in particular as a black founder, having that as a part of our mission. That really is woven into the fabric of who we are as a company, Supergut. This broader public health mission and this more specific orientation and mission about addressing the health disparity gaps. And you can see that, like uh, like you said, you, like you've seen our, our our website and you know our our public voice out there is a platform, right, to speak truth to power to one, you know, raise additional awareness and also to to do something about this and to be explicit in this aspiration. Um, and that also just flows through who we are as a brand, right? And so when you look at us, we want to make sure that anybody, any race, creed, color, age, body type, etc., feels welcome. Right, and that this is a solution that can be for you as well. So we're very intentional in showing as a brand a diverse range of individuals that are using the product, engaging with the brand, so that you know anyone out there, in particular, if you come from a community of color, that you can feel like this is a solution that can work for you. Uh, frankly, it also permeates into our culture as an organization. Uh, the fact that we significantly value diversity of thought, the background of sexual orientation and of ethnicity. Like when we bring the best and the brightest together that are aligned around this mission. Uh, I'm very proud of the team that we have here at Supergut as well, because it's just this shared ethos. It's a part of our culture, and it's an incredibly diverse, you know, culture. It's, you know, majority uh, of women, majority minority, people from minority backgrounds as well that comprise our company. So it really does permeate, you know, from mission through brand, through actually the, the culture of the, the company as well. So you can have a top-level mission focus mm -hmm. to closing the health disparity gap to being diverse in your company and in your approach and creating a space of, you know, welcomeness to all people. You can take a, you know, science-backed approach to make sure that the product you're creating um, to the best of your ability does what it says it's supposed to do. But at the end of the day, like so many things, especially in the food tech startup space, you know, money is the driver, economics mm -hmm. are the driver. Um, you can have a good product, you can have a great community. One of the issues about the health disparity gap isn't financial one. Mm -hmm. You know, it's more expensive in New York City to eat a vegetable forward Mediterranean style diet, yeah. like yeah. buying everything from the green market. Vegetables in the green market in New York City right now are, you know, eight, 10, 12, 15, 20, $30 a pound. It is right. more financially viable and less expensive to eat completely different things. So mm -hmm. in terms of making the product accessible from a financial point of view and from an actual accessibility point of view, like where can I physically go and get my hands on the product? Can I afford to do that? How, how do you perceive and strategize 
closing that gap because it's not as if right I mean the 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 really breathtaking and staggering thing which you know in, in talking about your sister and in talking about you know communities and the health of our communities we are a country in a world that has tremendous resource we have the resources to help people we have the resources to make everyone healthy and mm -hmm. you know live a great life but the yeah. disparity of how that wealth and resource is distributed is of course the the big question and yeah. you know quite frankly that part of you know really the the failure of yeah. what's happening societally Completely. right now so how do you in your you know the small space that you've mm -hmm. carved out you know the niche that you've carved out for yourself how do you address that yeah because no, this the is, health disparity is an economic disparity they're absolutely intrinsically tied and i could talk about this for for a while i have you have maybe seven minutes I, I, <laughs> okay good to, good to know i have a lot of thoughts i'll keep it i'll keep uh, it concise but i mean top Just, line strategically yeah. you know strategically as a as a as a founder yes. and a CEO of a food tech and a startup that comes with the rigors of, you know, vetting and, and um, marketability and how you're going to grow and scale and, and all those types of things. How do you close the gap and get this product into the hands of the people, the communities you want yeah. to have it versus keeping it sort of at a very, very top line, you know, one to 10% early adopter, yeah. you know, yeah, yeah. financially, you know, well off by coastal exactly. etc exactly. no absolutely uh -huh. so i think about it in two big ways one is just this broad subject of accessibility which obviously gets into affordability as a component of it i also think of it from a knowledge education and content gap as well which i also think is a big part of this breaking through the adoption curve on the accessibility front like what you laid out uh, it really gets me going because at a lot of the health issues that we see today it does come down to the fact that our food system in many ways is broken. I do believe that it is, when you think of big food and the fact that so much has been pumped into making you know, the most quote unquote accessible foods are the ones that are doing the most damage. It's making them sweeter, you know, less healthy, you know, tastier and cheaper. And, and there you go. And so it's really hard. It, it's way too hard. To and live even, a you know, healthy life. Yeah. Even in this climate of, especially in this climate of new foods, new foods being created in labs that are supposed to be um, environmentally better mm -hmm. for us. This whole uh -huh. generation of plant-based, plant-forward food products that are replicating animal-based products because of um, environmental issues as identified uh -huh. by the founders of these different companies, a plant-based version created in a lab or created in a, you know, factory assembly line while may not necessarily be better for the planet and environment, and it may not necessarily be healthier for you, but there's Absolutely. this interesting sort of like green halo around some of these things. We actually did a show um, a couple episodes back um, with a woman head of an R&D company that does plant-based foods in Europe, and they're working on making better, better, healthier, environmentally better plant-based versions of things, mm -hmm. if you can mm -hmm. imagine that. so Yeah, no, I absolutely can. There's, they, there's, there's a lot. And I applaud them for that. I would like to see more of the, that effort around what's better for our health. Yeah, it's hard to, to navigate all these things yeah, now. It, it really is, it really is. And so for me, when I come back to where we are uh, in the food system and our approach, like I, I really do think a lot about accessibility because when I talk about our mission orientation and impact, it is beyond the top 5%. It is beyond bicoastal. This really is something that has potential or aspirationally will impact the masses. And so when I think about it, the way that we create products that can break this tide of this broken food system, it first starts with products that actually work, right? We've talked a lot about that, but I think it goes beyond that. Like I, I actually think accessibility does come down to actually products that are 
enjoyable and accessible so that it's not hard. It doesn't feel like it's work. It tastes awful, like it's super restrictive, but you should have it because it's good for you. That doesn't work, right? That doesn't work. That is not sustainable for 99% of the population. So we spend a lot of time also focused on actually enjoyable, like convenient, functional foods that you actually can enjoy and stick with. And then also making sure it's great value as well, right? Making sure that what we create is nutrient dense, you know, in a way that actually is incredibly filling and is of great value. It's not going to be the least expensive product. You can find other shakes or bars that are going to be less expensive, but it's ones that actually give you the most nutrients and the nutrition, especially for your gut. Um, And frankly, in a practical sense, our shakes and bars are very filling and in many cases serve as a meal. And so when you think of like accessibility and affordability, when you have one of our shakes, it's you call it less than four bucks. That is, you know, comparable to some of the super cheap and unbelievably unhealthy food options you can get out there in fast food or what have you. Um, and so those are all elements, I think, which increase the accessibility of the solutions that we're creating. The second part of it that I described at the beginning, I do think that there's an education and a knowledge gap that I also think is important to fill. Um, so it's not just about accessibility, but actually having an understanding, raising awareness and, and um, informing, educating people as to why you need to get these particular type of nutrients into your diet on a more consistent basis. And we do that through content, right, through both our own our own content. So if you've been on our site, you've seen like on our blog, we've had lots of really practical and helpful information just around like the science of the gut, but in an ex- a, a, a digestible way. <laughs> pun intended. <laughs> pun in, yeah, pun, pun intended. intended yeah. Right? I mean, just like it's kind of at a need to know basis. What is prebiotics versus probiotics? Why have these been stripped out of our diets? And what's the importance of getting these back in? How do they work? Right? And you can go deep in the science if you want to, but you don't have to, to understand. We also, in addition to our own content, we have a lot out there in social media and our blog. We also have a lot of earned content content. Um, you know, we have a lot of others that have voices, right? Influencers, you know, that have audiences that we have been and will continue to engage with that can help amplify some of this content and knowledge mes- uh, message to help break the adoption curve and to uh, help encourage people, oh, that's why I need to get more fiber in my diet. That's what it does for my gut. And that's what it can do for my metabolism, my weight, my blood sugar to get it under control. Okay, maybe I'll give this a try in my, you know, my whole food, you know, more plant forward diet. And here, since none of us get enough fiber in our diet, here are ways that I can supplement or augment or fortify that. And maybe super gut is one of those solutions that can that can help. So we're trying to be there for for both sides. Well, it definitely is. um, I mean, it's hard to cut through all of the information that's out there and a lot of misinformation, it's hard to identify what good sources are um, for information and then figure out what to do and, and what's going to be good for you. Um, it's very, such a personal true. thing. And, and while, you know, the human body works in a specific way, you know, everybody is so individual. So it really for is sure. important for, for sure. people to take a look at their own sort of individual health. But, you know, as a side note, there are, you know, lots of foods that do have fibers with prebiotics. If, you know, you're listening and you're like, well, hmm, I mean, oatmeal is, you know, mm-hmm. oats is like great. one of the, one of the, I think, number one uh, noted, like good fiber things, you know, flax mm-hmm. seeds, apples, all those types of things. It's easy to, um, you know, seaweed, it's easy to, you know, sort of Google like foods with prebiotics um, and see yes. likewise food with probiotics um, and get all that in there. It's absolutely true. I think the one thing I just want to point out, absolutely, most foods that you generally think of that are good for you typically will have some fiber in them as well. So leafy greens and plants and beans and legumes and oatmeal like are all good sources of fiber, and you should absolutely get more of those in your diet. The truth is, the reality is, none of us get enough of those. Right? And there's been, you know, uh, for years, for centuries, eat more plants, like eat more fruit, eat more veggies. Like that has been a consistent drum that's been beat. And you know what? It, it really hasn't solved it on its own. Like, in fact, literally the stats say 5% of U.S. adults get the recommended amount of fiber in your diet. And so that's why I'm thinking just practically in addition to 
getting those fibrous foods in your diet. It's like, what are ways that we can easily augment that to try to close some of that, that fiber gap, right? Because fiber I think fiber is, fiber is like really yeah. essential for health. It, it ties back to your gut. It's the food for your gut. And so how can we help close that gap in addition to a plant forward fiber, you know, forward diet. And, you know, obviously that's again, where, where super comes in to try to augment and fill some of that fiber gap for you. Yeah. Well, lots to think about um, and lots to go in and, and research and drill down and look at all the different things. And I mean, it's so complicated these days. I think if we're paying attention to the news and all the different words and things and eating styles and nutritional ideas and what we should eat for yeah. our bodies, for the planet, for our people, for community. Um, it's, it's a lot to get bogged down in. Um, I think, you know, it can be very stressful, especially in this time in the world where we are, you know, three years into a global pandemic, and I'm not quite sure where we are in the curve yeah. of coronavirus and COVID-19. Um, I know it's not quite as dire as it was in 2020 and 2021, but it's not over. Um, and it is integrated into our lives in a way that is is really unexpected and nothing that we've ever quite known um, in sure. recent times. But I think the important thing is to just you know slow down, read your labels, think about what's good for you and your family, and and try and do the best you can to you know eat eat well. And I think eating well means different things to different people. Um, there's almost too many choices. <laughs> there, there are, and it can be so confusing. You're, you're so right. And that's just where I come back to um, follow the science, right? If you can find things that have good clinical evidence behind them, you can go into that with a higher level of confidence that this is doing something good for you. So if, despite all the confusion out there, if you can take away a theme of, you know, your gut is the center of your health, you need to get more nutrition, nutritious food to feed your gut in particular fiber, I think that will, uh, you really can't go wrong. Fiber, you can't go wrong. There you go. There you go. <laughs> <laughs> I want to thank Mark Washington, founder and CEO of Supergut for coming on. Uh, if you want to check out what they do and what they're about, go to supergut.com and follow them on social media at Supergut. If you want to check out some back episodes of Tech Bites, we've got a lot of stuff about health and nutrition and innovation and food. You can find us on heritageradionetwork.org. We have tens of thousands of episodes of food radio there waiting for you. If you want to follow us in more real time, you can follow us on social media at techbyteshrn. You could email you could email us techbytes at heritageradionetwork.org if you have an idea about this show, something to say, an idea for a new show, um, or an experience you'd like to share. Maybe you'd like to be a guest. If you really, really, really think this is important stuff that we need to talk about and be able to save and share and pass around to friends and family around the world, go to heritageradionetwork.org slash donate, click the beating heart and support us. Maybe throw us what you uh, spent in smoothies this week. It'll help us make more radio. I'm Jennifer Leitze and this is Tech Bites. This show is powered by Simplecast. Thanks for listening to Heritage Radio Network, food radio supported by you. Keep in touch at heritageradionetwork.org slash subscribe.